Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Tuesday, August 18th, we are studying Ruth, chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. Naomi has returned to Bethlehem, and her Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth, is with her. But what hope do two widows really have? As we see throughout the Holy Scriptures, the Lord is the one who gives hope to the hopeless. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Paul Pater. Pastor Pater serves at Shepherd of the Ridge Lutheran Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and Hope Lutheran Church in Sheffield Village, Ohio. Pastor Pater, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Hey, thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. As we get started this morning, Pastor Pater, just give us a, a recap of what we've seen so far in the book of Ruth. It's a real short book, a nice little narrative that we've got. What do we see in chapter 1? That brings us up to speed for what we've got in chapter two. Yeah. So in chapter one, we get to introduce to all the, the characters in our story. We learn that this takes place uh, during the time when the judges ruled, um, that there was a, uh, a man named Eli Melech from Bethlehem who went to Moab um, because there was a, a famine in the land in the time and he was trying to find uh, food, which will come in later into our text, the uh, importance of, of food. Um, he's there with his wife, Naomi. They're two sons. Uh, the sons end up getting married to two Moabite women, uh, Orpah and Ruth. Um, and throughout the whole process of this, um, Naomi's husband passes away. Her two children pass away. Um, and now the, the women are kind of stuck with, well, what do we do um, now that our, our husbands and our, our providers are, are gone? Because uh, especially uh, in the case of uh, Orpah and Ruth, uh, they're Moabite women. Um, and Moabites uh, had a really bad reputation because their, their ancestry came from this this nasty union between Lot and and his daughters. His daughters got him drunk and had kids with him, which is, I think, pretty X-rated for KFUO. I don't know if they're going to allow this on air or not. Um, but, uh, you know, this is uh, a pretty nasty relationship that that started these, these Moabite people. And uh, this these Moabites are really looked down upon so much so that in, in God's law in Deuteronomy, it talks about how Moabites weren't even allowed to go into the Jewish temple down to the 10th generation. Uh, so if you had Moabite ancestry anywhere in those, those 10 generations, like you were not allowed in God's temple because of the kind of nasty history of, of your family. So the very last place you would expect to find a faithful person or a person that God is going to use to um, continue to, to provide his promises and to do his will through. Like Moab is the last place you would look to find someone faithful. And yet Ruth 
I mean, throughout the book, demonstrates her great faithfulness, you know, especially to her uh, mother-in-law, Naomi. Um, I mean, even after the death of her husband, Ruth could have, you know, gone off, found another guy, got married to him, and just kind of left Naomi behind in the dust. But she doesn't do that. In fact, um, back in chapter one, you've got this really great promise that uh, Ruth uh, gives to Naomi uh, where she says, uh, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. I mean, so that's a that's a huge promise that this this Moabite woman is is making to her Israelite mother-in-law. Um, and at the end of chapter one, we see Naomi and Ruth return to Bethlehem at the start of the the barley harvest, and that that harvest is going to be really important for where our story goes today in in chapter two, and and really with Ruth's meeting of, of Boaz and um, kind of how Boaz cares for Ruth and, and Naomi. And, and we really see throughout the rest of the, the book uh, kind of this continued theme of faithfulness and the, the promises of God fulfilled in very unlikely places. So that's kind of where we're, we're at for today. The, the faithfulness that we see in Ruth, who is a Moabitess, as well as the faithfulness of the Israelite family that she's interacting with, Boaz and Naomi and and all these Israelites here, it does stand in great contrast to the faithlessness that characterized the period of the Judges, which is when the book of Ruth takes place. And we've just studied the book of Judges here on Sharper Iron, and and we've seen, um, I think we I can say this, we've seen a lot worse in the book of Judges, particularly toward the end, than even what's there in Genesis 19 with Lot and his daughters. And and to see the faithfulness of this Moabitess and these Israelites who are right there is very encouraging to see how the Lord does preserve for himself a remnant of faithful people, even at times when it seems like the great majority of his people have just fallen off into idolatry and all other sorts of sins. Yet the Lord provides for himself faithful people, and he does that here with Naomi, with Boaz, who are Israelites, and also Ruth, who now is going to, as we will see, uh, we don't quite get it here in this text today, Pastor Peter, but we will in a couple of days, how she is incorporated into this Israelite family of faithful people who trust in the Lord for their salvation. So faithfulness, and we're going to see that continue today. We've got a good chunk of text for our consideration, so let's begin to read here in Ruth chapter 2. Again, as you said, they're home back in Bethlehem, and the barley harvest is going to figure in prominently here. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? 
And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. We'll pause there. So, Pastor Pater, the text begins by introducing Boaz, and then we come back to Boaz. So let, let's let's save Boaz for the, the second part when we start to hear him okay. speak a little bit more. Let's start with verse 2, where Ruth says to her mother-in-law Naomi, "Let me go and glean." What this is maybe a, this is a practice I think that probably has gone by the wayside for for most of our listeners. What's going on here? What is gleaning? Why is Ruth doing it? So uh, the Israelites in, in their law, they were were taught by God to um, if there was a, a farmer, they were taught to leave kind of the parts out kind of at the edges of the field to leave those for the poor and the sojourner who could then come and, and glean kind of some of the, the leftovers that are on these, these rows that are kind of on the outer edges of the field. Um, so Ruth goes to glean because um, she has no other way to get food for herself and for Naomi. So this was kind of a, a part of God's law that was meant to care for the the poor, the sojourner, the fatherless, the, the widow, that they could have uh, their daily bread that they that they needed. So yeah, my uh, uh, I served in South Dakota for like six and a half years before I came here to Ohio, and a lot of my members in South Dakota were farmers, and I you know I asked them one day. Um, if you were told to leave the edges of your field alone for someone else to come and pick, how would you feel about that? And they were kind of like, um, well, I mean, that's just money of ours going out the window if we just left part of the, part of the field there. Um, but then I told them, like, you know, this is part of, of God's law to help care for the, the poor and the sojourner and the widow. And then they kind of understood a little bit of like, oh, you know, this is this is important uh, that this was a part of their culture and their time. And we see that Ruth comes to glean in the field. And um, the way the, the text puts it here, that she happened to come to the part of the field that belongs to Boaz. And it makes it kind of sound like it was almost accidental. Um, but it's it's no mistake. It's no accident. It's no coincidence that Ruth ends up in this field that belongs to Boaz. Because we're going to see later that Boaz is a, uh, a relation of Naomi's. He's a, a kinsman redeemer. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, it's not just a random accident that... Uh, Ruth has come to glean in this field. God's mm -hmm. putting um, Ruth in this place at this time so that um, she can meet with Boaz and so that Boaz can do his work of a redeemer that we'll talk about a little bit later. Right. I, uh, in terms of where she happens to glean, that it, you know she just happens to go to the field of Boaz, 
it's not maybe all that different than think back to Abraham's servant that he sends to find a wife for Isaac and how that servant, before he goes to where he's looking for a wife for Isaac, he prays that the Lord would lead him to the right family. And of course the Lord does. You don't have that prayer recorded here, but as we will continue in the narrative, it becomes quite plain that this is not simply a coincidence that Ruth ends up at the field of Boaz, who is a kinsman redeemer of Naomi and her family. This is the Lord's working. In the, the matter of gleaning, the, the way that I like to think of it, and, and you know, maybe you, having been in South Dakota, you, you maybe see this. I, I did my vicarage in Garden City, Kansas, in the southwest corner of the state, and there's lots of wheat fields there. And generally speaking, this isn't always true, but fields tend to have square edges. And so, you know, you're driving your combine along and you can't make a square turn. You have to, it's got to be rounded. And so there's going to be something left there on the corner. So it's not like the Lord in giving this command was somehow trying to steal from the farmer by any means. Rather, he's saying, look, you see that little spot that you didn't get when you were going by the first time? Leave it there because that belongs to the poor. That's how I'm going to provide for them. And, and that's what's going on here with Ruth and Naomi as Ruth goes to glean in the fields. And it's, it's just a wonderful example in the scriptures of how the Lord does care for those who can't care for themselves. He, he is the one who protects the poor, the widow, the fatherless. And Ruth and Naomi both fit into that first, those first two categories, the poor and the widow. And Ruth is a sojourner. I guess that's the other another category as well that she would fit into as well. So we've got that. Now let's let's talk about Boaz because here's a, a new character in the narrative that we're meeting for the first time. What do we what do we learn about Boaz just from the brief section that we've read so far, Pastor Peter? Well, we see that Boaz is is coming from Bethlehem, and that you know just reminds us of when Christ came uh, from Bethlehem as well. We're going to see that Ruth and Boaz actually are um, ancestors of our Lord and Savior. So like um, even in this this short story of Ruth, Ruth is all of, you know, four chapters, but we, we get this as uh, a foretelling of what Christ is going to come and do when he's the true kinsman redeemer. And we'll get to that, you know, kind of near the end of the show. But um, but we see that Boaz comes uh, and he is speaking with the, the young man who's in, in charge of the, the reapers. And he asks, well, whose who's young woman is this? Like, she's new. We, you know, I don't I don't know who that is. And the servant says, well, she's a, a young Moabite woman. So, I mean, already Ruth is is labeled as a, a Moabite. So there's already that kind of. Um, you know, the, the young man's like, hey, you know, she's from Moab. She's uh, from that really sketchy place, you know, just just so you know. Um, but uh, it, then it talks about how the servant said that she's come back with Naomi from Moab. She said, uh, please let me glean uh, from among after the reapers. And that, you know, Ruth, we see here is a really hard worker. She works from early morning up until the time Boaz shows up whenever he shows up uh, and she's only rested for a little bit of time. So, I mean, she's, she's a tough, tough worker. Um, and, and Boaz really not only admires that, but he admires what 
uh, Ruth has done for Naomi in sticking by her and being faithful to her. Uh, and we see Boaz is really kind of a, a, a stand-up guy. Um, if, when we, we kind of skipped over the first verse, but in the, the first verse, it talks about how um, Boaz is a worthy man of uh, Eli Melech's clan. So he's described as a worthy dude. Like literally in the, the Hebrew, it is a mighty man of valor. So Boaz is... Uh, well-respected. He did what's just and right. Like to me, when I, when I picture Boaz in my head, like Boaz is a, is a man's man. He's a dude's dude. He's like a, a strong farmer type. Um, but he's not like gruff. He's very compassionate and caring. And you see that with the way that he treats Ruth and the, the rest of the text that um, he's kind, he's compassionate. He doesn't look down on someone from where they've come from or kind of what their background is, but he treats them with kindness and respect and honor, which is, you know, just really shows how much of a stand-up guy Boaz is, that he he looks past Ruth's um, ancestry and, and background and, and sees her as, as kind and faithful for what she's done for Naomi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the description of him there is a worthy man, or he said quite literally a, a mighty man of valor. As you were talking about that, a couple of thoughts came to mind. One, with the thought a mighty man of valor, we tend to think of someone physically strong. And, and certainly, I mean, I, I suppose Boaz would have been a physically strong man working in your fields. This would have made you strong. But I, I think there's a perhaps a bit of a contrast we could draw between Boaz on the one hand and, let's say, Samson on the other. Again, just coming out of the book of Judges and knowing that this is occurring during the time of the book of Judges. Think of the, the strength of Samson and how he did use that for the sake of the Lord. And yet in the midst of his story, we see, we see him falling into all kinds of sins and temptations. Boaz, on the other hand, when he's called a mighty man of valor, this worthy man from Naomi's family, it's a different sort of strength that he has. And and one thing that I would point to in terms of his strength that we see just in this text is in verse 4, where Boaz comes out to his field, coming out of Bethlehem, and he greets his reapers with, the Lord be with you. And they don't answer much to my chagrin and also with you. And also with you. <laughs> um, but but just the just this greeting, the Lord be with you, and then the Lord bless you. I mean, you know, okay, so it's not the Lord be with you and also with you, as we're accustomed to saying within our own liturgy. But notice that it is a greeting that Christians share with one another, almost like a, alleluia, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed, alleluia. They know what to say to each other. And we see that. My, my point being that here's an example of Boaz, not only as a, a hard worker, salt of the earth kind of guy, just from a secular perspective, but he also is presented to us as a upright, pious, religious Israelite in the best sense of that term, that, that he worships the Lord. And he, he greets his workers in that way so that we're, we're ready to see Boaz as we will continue to meet him and, and be introduced to his character. We're ready to see him in that light already from the beginning. So uh, Boaz is, again, he, he fits into this picture of faithfulness that we were talking about at the very beginning. Any more on, on this section of the text, Pastor Pater? Any response to that? 
Well, as you were kind of, um, you know, just comparing and contrasting uh, Samson and Boaz, uh, I just wrote at the top of my notes here, you know, Samson for me uh, is brute strength. Like he's the guy who drops an entire, you know, temple on top of people's heads when he's putting his hands on the pillars. Um, where Boaz is, uh, I put graceful strength. So uh, a strength that is full of, of grace and kindness not that he's you know like a, a ballerina kind of graceful but more like a a build with grace person um like you were mentioning you know he uses this uh faithful greeting with the his workers that he um displays a kind of of strength that it's not strength in terms of power i'm gonna dominate over you but it is a strength that is found in God's grace and his mercy and his kindness. And he shows that grace, mercy, and kindness to everyone he comes into contact with. So. Right. A strength of service maybe is the way we could characterize Boaz's strength here. That That is a strength that will be one of service, which is, is going to be a picture of the service that our Lord Jesus Christ offers to us. And as we, again, continue to meet Boaz, we've, we've only gotten a couple verses really on who he is so far. But as we continue to meet him, I think we'll we'll see those. I'm, re- I'm reminded just briefly here uh, of the... If, you know, when it comes to what is it you use the term a man's man. Well, what is it? What does it mean to be a man like Boaz or like our Lord Jesus Christ? I would certainly recommend the book uh, published by Concordia Publishing House, written by one of our regular guests here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Jeff Hemmer, called "Man Up." I don't know if you ever read it, Pastor Pater, but when I read it, no, I haven't. It was a great book, great book, and and I think a lot of what Pastor Hemmer writes there fits with the picture of what we see as in Boaz as as a man, and also especially, of course, with what we see in our Lord Jesus Christ as a man. So that's maybe a bit of a sidetrack. Let's move back to the text. We've got a few minutes here before our break. I'm going to take us a little bit farther here in Ruth chapter 2. We are now in verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land, and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. All right, we will pause there again. We've got about three minutes here, Pastor Peter, before we take our break. So here we get Boaz now is going to address Ruth. Let's just stick with that for now. What do we see from Boaz as he now begins to address Ruth? He's found out who she is. Now he's going to talk to her. What do we see? How do we see more of his character here? I mean, he addresses Ruth as my daughter, which for an Israelite guy to call a Moabite woman his daughter, like that is a huge, 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 huge sign of compassion and grace because everybody would have looked down on Ruth because of where she came from. 
And now she's got this really stand-up man's man sort of dude um, saying, hey, you're my daughter. You're in my family. Um, which, you know, as we see later on, after a while, they, they get married. Um, and he really does bring her into the family. But here he even, even treats her as as like, like a fellow Israelite um, that, you know, they're on the same wavelength, that they're on the, the same kind of team, I guess you could say. Uh, he tells her, you know, don't leave, don't go someplace else, stay here with my young women um, and, you know, come glean in my fields. I, I've charged my young men not to, not to come after you so they, you don't have to worry about them harassing you. And when you're thirsty, go get a drink from what the young men have drawn. So here um, you have a complete reversal of how things were done in Boaz's culture in that usually it was the women who drew water for the men to use. And now you've got Ruth, uh, this Moabite woman, receiving water that is drawn by Israelite men. Like that is so countercultural. Um, it would have been shocking to anybody who was reading this text, you know, originally, that this is so against their culture, so against what they've been taught. Um, and yet, this is just another example of Boaz, Boaz's loving kindness uh, shown to Ruth that. Um, She's part of the family that she's receiving special above and beyond treatment, um, extraordinary kindness. Uh, it's just absolutely staggering what's going on here. And I think we kind of, you know, if we're just kind of reading through this text at first glance, this is some stuff we don't see. But when you really dig into it, it's like, wow, this is really kind of crazy stuff that Boaz is doing for Ruth already, and they've just kind of met one another. So Right, and, and all at this point, because of the connection that Ruth has with Naomi, who Boaz recognizes his relationship with her, he's welcoming Ruth now into that same relationship. And I think, as, and we'll have to pick this up on the other side of the break, Pastor Peter, but I think that it goes even deeper than just that family relationship, but I think there's a faith relationship as well. But we'll pick that up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFO. Gonna take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It's Tuesday, August 18th, and we are studying Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. We've got Pastor Paul Pater with us. He serves at Shepherd of the Ridge Lutheran Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and Hope Lutheran Church in Sheffield Village, Ohio. Pastor Pater, prior to the break, we were looking at this first interaction between Boaz and Ruth, and we've seen Boaz already 
treat Ruth as one of the family. He's, he's called her daughter. He's told her to go drink from what the young Israelite men have already drawn. We see his great loving kindness toward Ruth. And the interaction continues. So we, we've left off about verse 10, where Ruth now responds. Keep taking us into this interaction between these two people. Yeah. So uh, Ruth uh, falls on her face, bows down on the ground before Boaz, like just absolutely, you know, kind of in, you know, submission almost to, to him saying, you know, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? I'm, I'm a foreigner. So like she knows um, that her status as a Moabite woman sets her apart from from Boaz, like Boaz. Um, if he was any other Israelite dude would probably have just been like, uh, I'm going to avoid you at all costs. Um, but Boaz, um, is not avoiding her because he sees the, the faith that is at work in her. Um, you know, when we were doing the introduction, we talked about how when Ruth promises to be with Naomi, part of that promise is your God is now going to be my God. Uh, And for a Moabite woman to convert to believe that Yahweh is the one true God, that's, that's a pretty big step. And Boaz sees her as part of the family because uh, she is uh, a believer that they they believe in the the same God. We talked a little bit before the break about how um, Boaz greeted his servants, "The Lord bless you." Um, so he's he's a religious guy. He's a, he's a faithful guy, and he sees that same faith at work in Naomi. So um, so Na- uh, in Ruth, excuse me. So. Ruth falls down before Boaz's feet, um, says, why have you treated me this way? You know, why have you been so kind and and gracious and things like that? And then Boaz says, well, I've heard all you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband um, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and you came to a people that you do not know. Um, You know, that's got to be pretty huge for Ruth as well, that she's leaving behind not only the the country of Moab, but she's leaving behind what family she has left. Like her husband's gone. Um, so she's got nothing really tying her back to Bethlehem except for Naomi. Um, so she's leaving her family behind. She's coming to this strange land she doesn't know. And Boaz here says, you know, the Lord will repay you for what you have done a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. So, I mean, this is a, a, a huge thing that Boaz sees in Ruth's life, that you know he sees that the God of Israel, Yahweh, is the God of Ruth, this Moabite woman who comes from... Uh, a land of idolatry and false gods um, that she's come to believe in the true God and come to receive the promises that that God has for her. Um, so near the end of the text here, it says, uh, or near the end where, of where we were reading, it says that um, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. So this is Ruth talking to, to Boaz. 
for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So Ruth puts herself in that, that servant position, but she knows she's not really one of Boaz's servants, but Boaz, as he has treated his servants kindly, um, he's also treating Ruth kindly as well. Um, so we see here kind of two things going on in that um, Boaz is being kind to Ruth, A, just because he's a kind guy, uh, but B, because of Ruth's faithfulness and because that of her being a part of this family of believers. Um, but we also have everything that, that Ruth is going through as well, that she has come to believe in the one true God and that she's come to Bethlehem to take refuge in the God of Israel. Because you got to remember, with Ruth being from Moab, um, because she's not from Israel, she's got no legal standing in Israel whatsoever. She's got nothing there to protect her, nothing there, no laws to kind of watch over her and, and keep her safe. And now Boaz is, is stepping up and going above and beyond the call of what the law says and being kind and being gracious to her. I think that's a very important part of mm. kind of their their whole relationship going forward. Yeah, he does go above and beyond. We were talking about the idea of the gleaning at the very beginning, and he at this point has gone beyond just giving her what was left over, what his harvesters missed, but he's actually giving her more than that. The the things that he did not have to from the strictest letter of the law, he's going above and beyond that. And his words to her in verse 12, I, I think are very key. Well, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to go over to verse 11 real quick, just to this where he he's speaking about what she's done, what he knows of her, and that, you know, she came to a people that she didn't know before, perhaps a an echo there of Abraham and Sarah, where the Lord called them to go to a place he was going to show them, a place that they didn't know. And so maybe an echo there. But even more in verse 12, this blessing that he speaks to Ruth is is just marvelous. You know, he, he recognizes, it seems, that Ruth has come to share in this faith in the God of Israel and that she is seeking refuge here. And there is no other place to find refuge, it is true. And this image that he uses, you know, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, this this is an image that we see elsewhere in Scripture. The in the Psalms, Psalm ninety one talks about the the pinions and and the the image there of an eagle's wings. And then Jesus uh, in in oh is it Matthew twenty three I think, and maybe a couple other places in the Synoptic Gospels where he talks about gathering Jerusalem as a hen gathers her chicks, this this place of, of refuge. And you think about the, the outstretched wings of a, of a mother bird gathering her children. And it's not too far of a stretch, I don't think, to imagine Jesus stretching out his arms on the cross as the place where we would find our refuge. And, and I, I think you can see all of that there in this blessing that Boaz gives to Ruth. Uh, Pastor Peter, any response or any more on this section before we move on? 
No, I think you, I think you hit it pretty well. Um, I, I really like what you said there about the, the spreading of the wings and the spreading of, of Jesus' arms on the cross. That's really, really powerful stuff. I hadn't thought about it that way before. So that's, that's, that's really awesome. So that's actually from the Lutheran Study Bible note too. Just as I have, oh, hey, there you I, go. right? And I'm sure that I've heard it preached that way before. Yeah, we're always standing on the shoulders of of those who've gone before. It's, it's wonderful when those images stick in our minds like that. So let's keep reading here in in Ruth chapter two. We're in verse fourteen. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, to Ruth, "Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine." So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. I think I'll, I'll pause there. That that takes Ruth back to Naomi's house. We'll, we'll get that reaction or interaction between Ruth and Naomi at the very end, Pastor Pater. So let's let's keep talking here, Boaz and Ruth. As the interaction continues, it gets to be mealtime, and now we really start to see Boaz go above and beyond uh, what was required. Take us into Boaz here. Yeah. So he invites her to come up and eat with him, which, I mean, huge cultural no-no right away there. Of just like, uh, she's from Moab. You, you don't eat with people like that. What are you doing? Um, it kind of reminds me of those times where Jesus was eating with uh, um, the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes. And, you know, the so-called religious uppity people were all like, hey, uh, Jesus, you know, you're not supposed to eat with those people, right? You know, uh, so that like image kind of popped into my head while you were reading here, because there's very much kind of that that thing at play again of, you know, they're two, from two very different cultures. And not only that, but she's sitting down besides the reapers, besides all these, uh, you know, mail workers. Uh, but he passes to her the roasted grain. So again, it's this Boaz is doing this graceful strength in service. He, as an Israelite man, is serving a Moabite woman. This is above and beyond anything that Boaz is called to do in the law. Like, this is him just living, I guess, to... to use kind of more New Testament terms of like he's living that that gospel oriented life of um, showing kindness and, and compassion and and doing these things, not because he has to, but because he wants to um, that he, he you know, this is just part of, of who he is. He's not putting on an act that this is him serving uh, this woman graciously. Uh, and uh, it says here she eats until she is satisfied and she has some left over. And as I was rereading Ruth this morning, I was thinking about, you know, the, the first part of the context of why um, Naomi went to Moab in the first place was because there was a famine, right? There wasn't a lot of food around, so they go to Moab um, and they end up starting families there. Uh, and then they come back to Israel 
and they find in Israel that they can eat till they're satisfied and they have leftovers. Um, so, you know, this is talking about God's kind of gracious providing for his people um, and that he does that through the work of other human beings. God cares for his people through other people, through their generosity, through their their caring for one another. Um, so she rises to, to glean again after their, their meal is done. Um, and Boaz says, OK, let her even go in among the sheaves and, and don't approach her. So I want you guys to pull out some bundles that you've worked really hard to put together. Uh, and I want you to leave those on the ground for her so that she can go and, and pick up these things that you guys have already gathered uh, and don't rebuke her in that. Um, so, I mean, again, he is showing more kindness and more compassion. And just when you think Boaz can't be any more kind and compassionate, he surprises you and does something above and beyond what he's already done. Mm-hmm. Um which is it's is a very interesting thing to kind of look at there. Right. No, I mean you you see this over and over again with Boaz, particularly in this chapter, how he continues to go beyond what would have been required of him, uh, beyond any what you might just consider normal kindness. He goes beyond that. His generosity is evident, and and throughout this, you know, I'm I'm seeing hints, pictures of our Lord Jesus Christ and his generosity. It wasn't that long ago that we had the feeding of the 5,000 as the gospel reading in the three-year lectionary. And you think of the generosity of Jesus, the leftovers that are there. It's I'm not perfect parallels. I'm not saying that. But right. there are there hints. Um, even even when you were talking earlier, Pastor Pater, about the, the Moabite woman being being invited to drink among the Israelites, I'm hearing an echo of John chapter 4 and the Samaritan woman at the well, whom Jesus Jesus gives to her living water. Uh, just so some of these echoes that are, are in the story here that, that point us forward to Christ. Again, not perfect parallels. We, we wouldn't call them types by any means, but just those echoes as you see God working forward toward the ministry and salvation earned by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got Boaz in this great generosity, and then the scene shifts back toward Ruth, and now Ruth in relation, again, toward her mother-in-law, toward Naomi. Perhaps it would have been very easy at this point for Ruth to recognize the great generosity of Boaz and to leave her mother-in-law in the dust, but she doesn't. So take us into this initial, we didn't quite get to the conversation that Ruth and Naomi are going to have, but take us into how does Ruth now respond to this generosity and continue to care for her mother-in-law? Yeah. Well, uh, so Ruth ends up gleaning in the field to late evening. And you got to remember, she's been there since early morning. So she's been out there all day. And at the evening time, she goes and she beats out what's gleaned. And it's about an effa of barley. And uh, my my footnote in my Bible here says that's about three-fifths of a bushel or 22 liters. Like, that is a tremendous amount of stuff for one day's work. I mean, you can see really Ruth, you know, working hard here and, and working up a sweat to, to care for her family. Uh, so she takes what she has uh, and work for and what, what Boaz has, has graciously given her as well. And uh, she goes in and takes it back to her mother-in-law and then she even takes out the leftover food that she had from her meal with Boaz when she had eat, 
had already eaten and and been satisfied by what she had. So, you know, they like I said, they came from a place where there was a, a famine. You know, Ruth could have just kind of hoarded this leftover food for herself, but she brings it home and she shares it with Naomi because uh, um, she's really. I didn't think about this until just now, but she's really sharing the the kindness and generosity that Boaz uh, has shown to her. She's now then going in and sharing that with Naomi and kind of what a, a nice picture that is of the, the church as well, where we receive the gifts of God's grace and forgiveness for us. And then we can go out and share what we've received from God uh, to, to go out and to, to share that with the people around us. I think there's some, like you said before, not quite parallels, but some, some definite echoes there of, of, you know, seeing this, this faithfulness that, uh, and, and kindness that can be shared amongst God's people. Right. Yeah. Ruth doesn't have an about face from what we learned of her in chapter one. That promise that she made to her mother-in-law remains true, that she's going to stick with her. She's not just going to abandon her at the first sign of kindness from elsewhere. She's going to, to stick with Naomi. So let's let's see how this chapter concludes then with this conversation between Ruth and Naomi. So we're picking up again in verse 19. And her mother-in-law, that's Naomi, said to her, to Ruth, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. That's where chapter 2 ends. So in this conversation, Pastor Pater, between Naomi and Ruth, we get a couple of, of key things that we need to pay attention to. It, you, the conversation starts, as you might imagine. You know, Ruth comes back. She's got all this food. Naomi is just amazed. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth explains the whole situation. She says his name is Boaz. And at that point, Naomi gets really excited. What, what does Naomi have to say about Boaz that's so important here? Um just the the blessing that she uses is is so powerful uh may he be blessed by the lord whose kindness so again there's that idea of kindness whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead um so we see that boaz's kindness is again mentioned here um that naomi uh has this this blessing that she has for Boaz because of the kindness that he's shown. But this kindness is shown not just to the living, but to those um, who have died. We're going to see later on in the in the um, in the book where uh, he takes on this role of the the kinsman redeemer and has children um, in the name of of uh, Ruth's dead husband. So that the the kindness that Boaz does 
is not just a kindness for the living, but it's a kindness uh, shown to those who have passed as well. And, um, you know, Ruth's family's seen a lot of death. Her husband's passed away. Her brother-in-law's passed away. Um, the uh, Naomi's husband has passed away as well. So um, she's seen a lot of a lot of death, but um, we see that the kindness that Boaz shows is to the living and the dead, um, which we're again going to get a really cool image here of of Christ, the Redeemer, who who saves from death and hell, and who who offers eternal life to all who believe in him. So mm. there's a cool kind of echo in that that we get as well. So the other the other key term that we get here is that word redeemer. It's there at the end of verse 20, where Naomi identifies Boaz as a redeemer. And I think you and I have mentioned this term already, Pastor Peter. We've talked about a kinsman redeemer is another way you might see this translated, this Hebrew word goel. So Pastor Pater, this is a, a term that's really important in the book of Ruth, and it's going to be a key term both in chapter 3 and chapter 4 as well. But but this is where we meet that term. So give us a, a breakdown. What does this mean? We've got, just, just so you know, we've got about six and a half minutes left. So give us a, a, an introduction okay. to this term, Redeemer, and make sure we leave enough time just to wrap things up, too. Sure. Um, so... Cliff Notes version, uh, a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer had a a very important job within a a family. If uh, a male passed away in their family without having any children for uh, the kind of inheritance to go down to, uh, it was the job of the, the kinsman redeemer to redeem or to buy back the estate of the deceased relative uh, if a relative went into slavery, it was their job to buy them back. Um, but they also had to have children um, in the name of their deceased relative so that that person's family could continue. So part of that redemption was uh, these properties and, and peoples having to be bought back. So Naomi goes back home to Bethlehem, to her, her town where she lived with her husband. But just because uh, her husband's passed away doesn't mean that the properly property and stuff automatically goes to Naomi. Uh, a male family member had to redeem it or, or buy it back. Um, and you'll see... Uh, in the, I think it's in the last chapter, you'll see that there is uh, a redeemer that is closer than Boaz in terms of family relation uh, to Naomi, but that redeemer doesn't want to do his job. He doesn't want to do the job of redemption because he thinks it's going to hurt his own inheritance and hurt the inheritance that he wants to leave to his children. So Boaz ends up being this, this redeemer who buys back uh, Ruth and her, and her family uh, and buys back uh, the, the land for Ruth and her family. And then, um, you know, they end up getting married and they have a son, Obed, who we'll see is part of the, the family line that brings about King David. Spoiler um, alert there, Pastor Peter. Spoiler alert. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, <laughs> it, the 
book is well it goes over together. a thousand years old. <laughs> um, so... It goes together. It it all goes together. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard not to to hear the echoes of this already, and and all of this is setting the stage for for where you're getting where where Boaz does fulfill this this hope that Naomi has right here where she hears the name Boaz and she these bells start going off for her of this hope that now she has along with her daughter-in-law precisely because of who Boaz is in relationship to her and how he's already starting to show himself as one who is willing to take up that task so yeah spoiler alert we would yeah they're going to get married <laughs> this is this is going to be a in contrast to the way the book of judges so often left us this is going to have I hate to use the term happy ending because it's just so weak, but but it's going you're going to see here where the Lord's faithful people receive his faithfulness above and beyond. And it's just a it's a wonderful thing. Pastor Peter, we got it's, about... a, it's a gospel ending. Exactly. There you go. A gospel you go. ending. A gospel ending. A good news ending. Yeah, that, that's go. much better. Much better. So Pastor Peter, with about three minutes here, we, we've seen all of chapter two. Lots of lots of highlights. Wrap it up for us and and use it to point us toward our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the cool part about Ruth's story is despite her background, she uh, proves to be one of the faithful people of God. I mean, she's an ancestor of Jesus. We kind of mentioned that as well. Um, if you flip to, to Matthew's gospel in the first chapter, that you have the genealogy of Jesus all the way from Abraham down through the generations to Christ. And Matthew's genealogy does something different that most genealogies at that time didn't do. They mention uh, women five of them to be exact. Uh, there's Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Um, and if you look at the stories of those women, I mean, the the women that are mentioned there have a lot of history that if you were trying to bring about the salvation of the world, these are not the women you would choose. Um, but yet it is through Ruth, through this Moabite woman, um, through this this faithful woman who has come to faith um, in Naomi's God and the God of Israel in Yahweh, uh, that eventually the Savior of the world, the, the Redeemer, is born. You know, you are mentioning before kind of the, the hope that Naomi has in the Redeemer. And really Ruth's story is that hope in the Redeemer that is to come. And I'm not talking about Boaz, I'm talking about Jesus. Mm. This hope in this Redeemer who's going to come and purchase us from sin, from death, from hell. And he's going to do it with his precious body and blood given and shed on the cross for us. Mm. I was reading Dr. Lessing's book about the Old Testament uh, this morning, and he had a, a really great quote in it that I kind of want to finish off with. He says, uh, neither Boaz nor Christ were obligated to redeem, and yet they both did so voluntarily and graciously and at great personal cost. Um, and we, we see that the story of Ruth and her redemption is a, a great echo, a great picture of our redemption in Christ, that Christ voluntarily and graciously and at great personal cost to himself rescued and redeemed us from our sins. 
Pastor Paul Pater is the pastor at Shepherd of the Ridge Lutheran Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and Hope Lutheran Church in Sheffield Village, Ohio, helping us this morning with Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. Pastor Pater, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for having me again. It was great. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.